Beards for Radio. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar Fashion, Clothing, and Design. 100% original. Visit far-ebar.com to add the next great addition to your wardrobe. Beards for Radio, this is Joe. And this is Sasha. And uh, we got lots to get to because, you know, it's been a while since we recorded, but, you know, it's all good. Um, Michigan's won two games. The Lions have dropped two games. Uh, Michigan State dropped one in the desert. We got some news from the Red Wings and from the DC Universe. So um, I'll let you take your pick wherever you want to start, man. Um, you know, let's let's shoot over there and uh, stick with, you know, what's fresh, what sports fresh and new and and back and in our lives. College football, man. Um, I want to you know go over you of them the Western game. Uh, Shea had uh, 125 yards, three touchdowns. McCaffrey came in, threw one pass, got a touchdown off of it. You know, Higdon and Evans they combined 23 carries, 242 yards, three touchdowns. Four different receivers had touchdowns. Defense had two sacks, one interception, 208 total yards, 43 tackles. And it sounds all great, but it was Western Michigan. This is what they were supposed to do against Western Michigan. I want to see them do this to teams that, you know, are irrelevant. I don't want to say Western Michigan is irrelevant, but, you know, it's, it's, it's expected, you know, when a, you know, when you play a D1 school like that, expected you to get smeared like that. And it's, it's, it, it was expected. What I did like a little bit, though, is that at the end of the third, I wish it would have happened a little sooner. He started rotating in, um, you know, second string players. Right. This is what I like to see. You know what I'm saying? I want to see some of these kids, and especially with this new redshirt rule, that some of these kids can get out there and get a feel for the sport and see where they're best fit. I've been saying that forever, you know? So that's what I like to see. That was, a, that was a, to me, the best thing that came out of that Western game is that Harbaugh rotated in players that don't necessarily get to see as much time as all the other players. So that was good on, you know, on that half with Western, you know, but right. other than that, everything, everything that's happened, all those nice stats and all those yards and all, all a defense and, you know, touchdowns, all these different receivers and Higdon and, you know, Evans, it's supposed to happen. That right. is what's supposed to happen. You think it seems like that. So like I said, they're playing Nebraska, what, Saturday, um, Nebraska's coming off of really crappy losses. You know, they lost to Troy, they lost to Colorado. Uh, they got the old, quarterback over there Scott Frost so it's going to be like the battle of the you know former you know club quarterbacks you know or you know college quarterbacks but um I expect Michigan to blow them out I don't expect you know too much out of it but we saw what happened in the SMU game started off slow the first half it shouldn't be like that it should be a blowout and then it should be further away so he can do what he did in Western you know Mm-hmm. And these players in it don't necessarily get, you know, the playing time. Um, he had, you know, there was two two other receivers. Uh, Peoples Jones had 90 yards, three touchdowns. Gentry had 95 yards off of four receptions. You know, Shade went 14 for 18, three touchdowns a pick. And then you had five running backs totaling because you had, I believe, Higdon was hurt. Evans kind of torqued his knee at the end. I read that they're both they're both uh, healthy and clear to play for Saturday. But you know, all in all, this is what you see out of Michigan. You know, what I'm saying I'm 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 going to see these Nebraska U of M or uh, Western games and SMU games. Is these are the games that you should be blowing teams out and getting players acclimated and getting guys that don't get to see the field see the field. So I want to see that out of Nebraska uh, game as well. But um, yeah, Michigan's Michigan. I just want to see how they do against, you know, Penn State, against State, against, you know, Ohio State. That's that's when the key Wisconsin. That's that's when I want to see, you know, this style of play come out. Other than right. that, what they're supposed to be doing. So I can't really hate. 
Right. You know, that, that's kind of what they do. Like, you know, it's it's not an insult to say, like, you know, that's what Michigan does. They beat up on smaller teams because that's what they do. Like, it's not it's not nothing wrong with that. Right. right. Um, for Michigan State, um, I don't know. I just, There's not really a word to sum up the first two games other than disappointment. It's been a huge disappointment watching this team for the first two weeks. Obviously, they had a bye this past week playing at Indiana. Um, you know, I just thought 19 returning starters, um, 10 wins a year ago with a young, young team. Um, I don't know. I just – I expected more. Maybe that's maybe that's my fault for expecting more out of them. But you tell me they're going out to Arizona State and they're going to hold them to 16 points. I think we win that game by 20, you tell me that before. To put up 13 points, I don't care if you're on the road and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You have these weapons that need to be utilized. You have Brian Lewerke. You have Cody White, Felton Davis, LJ Scott. I I assume you still have LJ Scott. I don't know where he is. Where's LJ Scott, man? (laughs) I haven't seen him. Have you seen him for two weeks? Not really, man. More of Connor Hayward than I've seen of LJ Scott. And... You know, it's it's just it's frustrating because it shouldn't be happening like this. I understand it's the non-conference, and you know, Arizona State got up to play Michigan State. Good for them. They won on a last-second field goal in their coach's first big game. But uh, it's it's frustrating, dude. Like, there's no other word I can use to describe it. And I'm nervous about every game I look at on the schedule, aside from maybe Rutgers. You know, I look at every game and I think if we can't control the line of scrimmage against any of these opponents, there's not going to be a comfortable victory on the schedule. It's going to be, you know, the comeback kids, the cardiac Spartans, you know, I'm going to be biting my nails every Saturday. Right. And, you know, 12 years into D'Antonio's program, I'm not, obviously I'm not jumping ship because I love D'Antonio. I have all the belief in the world in him, but I just, I really question why it's happening like this through two weeks in 2018 with the returning Starting quarterback, I know there are some injuries. Colt Schuins has played one snap. That's an issue. Um, but Tyler Higby is just a god-awful center, dude. He's terrible. Did you? I don't know if you watched the, the Arizona State game two weeks ago. Um, that was on, back. Yeah, that was on until 2.30. Um, <laughs> like, he single-handedly killed two MSU drives in a one-score game. You know, he got – Put he got pushed right back into Brian Lewerke before he could hand the ball off, dude. Like that shouldn't be happening. And yeah, I, most def- most definitely, I agree with you, Joe. I feel like the the change should have come, you know, after week one, after Utah State was shoving him around. I feel like Matt Allen should be the center. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, he comes from you know the he's a brother of Jack Allen and Brian Allen, who are both fantastic centers. I don't see why he doesn't get his shot. I think they, they've released the depth chart with Tyler Higby listed as the starter, but I think come game time it is going to be Matt Allen. But, you know, that's that's wishful thinking, man. Um, you know, is and when everybody comes back healthy, is it going to be a better product? Is it going to be a team that puts up 30, 35 points a game? Because that's what this offense should do. This offense with all the experience and all the talent and all the weapons – should be putting up 35 points a game. If you're putting up even 30 points a game, who's going to put up more than 40 points on this Michigan State defense aside from maybe Ohio State? You know? Like, I feel like I'm stuck in the first couple weeks of 2013. I know that ended up being an awesome season, but (laughs) I feel like I'm stuck where, like, the defense is, is good right now. It's pretty good, you know? I think Justin Lane's a very good cornerback. I think when Josiah Scott comes back healthy, um, you know, hopefully he picks up right where he left off. He'll be good. Um, you know, Joe Bocci is Joe Bocci. He does what he does. Aside from Kenny Willekes, there's not really any pass rush from anybody, you know? So that's, that's pretty oh, yeah. disappointing. So they're really struggling to handle the line of scrimmage through two weeks, and that concerns me a lot. Yeah, Joe, like, 
when you look at like the defensive side, your defensive side is way stronger. And it's like your offense is taking a step back. I don't think it's taking a step back in in the wide receiver sector and the quarterback sector, but your running backs, man, not one of them broke 22 yards, you know, last uh, Arizona State. Mm-hmm. You know, five five guys ran the ball. You know, 25 carries and only yielded 22 yards. That's no bueno. You're not going to open up the passing game like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I'm a strong believer in, you know, you establish a good running game, you're going to open up the passing game, you know, and vice versa, you know, however you, however you want to go at it. But yeah. Lewerke, that's, that's as much, it was, on the running game real quick, that's as much scheme as it is the offensive line not being healthy. How many times do you have to run it straight up the middle before you know it's not going to work, before you start to mix it up a little bit? I'm not asking you to run the jet sweep every play or, you know, do like a an exotic toss or like some kind of drawn up play. I'm just saying every time they run the ball or every time they have the ball on first down, it's going to be right up the gut, right up the middle. Maybe you'll get four yards, but it's likely going to be two to three yards. Like that's as much yes. steam as it is anything. Mixed option like you did week one, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? LaRuki has the wheels for it. It's just like, I get what you're saying, Joe. I felt like they've just taken a step back. Like you said, like, where the hell is LJ Scott? They've taken a step step back big time on their line and a big time on their, on their running backs. So I think it's it's that trickle-down effect to LaRuki where LaRuki is going to be LaRuki. If you, if you give LaRuki the right tools and the right time, I think he can do it. But I, I think that, like, you're right. With the offensive lines bearing down on him, he's going to make those mental errors because he – He's they're not giving him enough time, you know what I'm saying? And like he has he has Cody White out there, he has Felton Davis. Those guys are good, good wide receivers, you know what I'm saying? And I think you're right, dude. I just think I think the the running backs need to step up, and the line just definitely needs to step up, man. Or Lamar is going to be a deer in the headlights for the rest of the rest of the year, you know, almost. For real, I mean, right now through two weeks, Lamarke has um. I think less than 50 rushing yards through two games. At this point last year, he had over 300, I believe, if I'm not wrong, or close to 300. I don't have the stats in front of me. But, you know. Rushing yards? Yeah, just him. He had 500. I think he had had 500 rushing yards himself. Right, but through two weeks, like, he did a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I'm not – I'm not – Jumping ship, obviously. We're two weeks in. You you have no idea what's going to happen from here on out. But right. you know, it's it's just one game. You got to beat Utah State thirty eight to thirty one. So the defense didn't show up. Next game, you lose at Arizona State sixteen to thirteen. So the offense didn't show up. Is there going to be a game where both show up? Is there going to be a game right. where neither of them show up? God forbid. Like I don't know. I feel like it should be a more consistent product right now with what they have. It should be much more consistent than it is. Yeah, especially with the starters they have returning. And Michigan has that same problem to me. They have nine returning, you know, starters on defense. What the heck? What's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think State needs to do to beat Indiana come come Saturday? Uh, To beat Indiana, you just got to contain their offense. Like, this is the same type of offense the defense has faced through two weeks, you know? Um, You got to generate – Got to generate some kind of pass rush, dude. Like, I'm hoping uh, Jacob Panashuk is healthy. But even if he is, like, is that going to generate anything? Are we going to get anybody going after the quarterback aside from Kenny Willekes? Um, So you got to rush the quarterback. And, you know, I feel like this is exactly what I said a couple weeks ago previewing Arizona State. Just let Lewerke loose. Let him take the reins off Mm. it, you know? Like, right. I feel like the offense is way too conservative. It's way too balanced. There's no need to be balanced when the passing game is miles ahead of the running game. And the thing is, they did move the ball in both games. Like, they mix it up for two drives and then, like, three drives where they just do nothing with it. Mix it up for two drives, do nothing with it for the next quarter, you know? Like, you can't afford to have a slow start. You can't afford to keep Indiana in the game if you have a lead. Because this is a road game at night, Big Ten opener. Indiana has won their first three games against nobodies. But still, three wins is three wins for Indiana. Right. Momentum. Um, so I just, you know, contain the offense of Indiana. Generate some kind of pass rush, you know. 
Kenny Wilkes has proven that last year was no fluke. He is the real deal. I understand that you had two amazing uh, defensive ends on your roster that turned out to be rapists and sexual assaults uh, felons who were supposed to be their junior year this season. So I understand that um, this isn't exactly the roster you thought you'd be working with. (laughs) But it is what it is. Yeah, shame on those two. I don't need to name them. Gotcha. Um, Right. And then, yeah, offense just – I don't know, get your heads out of your ass, dude. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it seems so simple, you know? Like, this offense can put up 30, 35 points a game. And I, I, I think that's with any kind of offensive line they, run, they throw out there. They should be able to score. And, you know, right. like I, I want to see another wasted defensive effort where we hold Indiana – we not on the team – where Michigan State holds Indiana to, like, you know – 16, 17, 20 points, and they lose the game. Right. So right. I think I think you're I think you're spot on with your assessment of state, especially the part where let Laburki loose. And I feel like the only way you can let him loose is like if if you establish the run game. You establish the run game, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna send bodies as much. You know what I'm saying? In the offense has to you know, do a lot better job of, you know, containing and not letting the pocket break down. But you give Lewerke time, he's going to do what he does, man. So they need to establish that run game early. You know what I'm saying? Take a little bit off of Lewerke's plate so he can put more on his plate elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think what their defense needs to do is because Indiana has a young team. They have a, a young offensive uh, line, you know, and they have a sophomore quarterback, you know what I'm saying, young all around. And they're gonna run a lot of hurry up because they're gonna they're gonna want to have you know a little deception on their side, you know, because with the lack of experience, they're gonna need to fill it somewhere. So I feel like they're gonna run a lot of hurry up offense. So Michigan State's gonna have to watch out for that and take advantage of this, you know, and take advantage of mental errors for these kids. But I think Michigan Michigan State's uh, in um you know pretty good pretty good standings where they're at right now with going against Indiana. And um, one thing I want to say is, like, they got to get the ball in space to, like, Daryl Stewart. He needs more touches, I think. And then, um, you know, let Felton Davis make plays. Let Cody White might make plays. Um, I understand this may be a biased take. I don't care who's listening, who's going to comment on this. But Cody White may be the best receiver in the Big Ten before the year is over, before his career is done. I think he will call. be the best receiver in the Big Ten. Just look at his tape through um what has he been playing? Fifteen games now. Look like the dude's a stud. You gotta get you gotta get him the ball as often as possible. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Donovan Peoples Jones, if he gets killer instinct in him, a little swag in him, that dude can be Oh yeah, freaking wrecking ball in the Big Ten. So I, I that's what I'm banking on. So I'm gonna go opposite for you. I'm gonna go with Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, um, I think he has a lot of uh, a lot of ceiling. But right. and you know, also Rondale Moore from Purdue, fantastic, fantastic kid. Yeah. yeah. Um. But um. Yeah, Michigan, Nebraska. I think I think Michigan's kind of in the same boat with State. You know what I'm saying? I think what Michigan needs to do with Nebraska is um, keep doing what they're doing, but I think they need to be a little less conservative. I'm sick of the run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass. Maybe go for it on fourth down for some stupid odd reason. Mm-hmm. Run, run. You know, it's just it's just so, I don't know, it's so obvious. It's the obvious, you know. So I want to see them, like you said, mix it up a little bit. Maybe not go so exotic, but mix it up. Don't go run, run, pass every time. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, you know, but what scares me is Nebraska lost, you know, to Colorado and to Troy, you know, I'm like, who, you know, so I hope that they didn't, they're not going to run to a sleeping giant, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you get these, you know, spurts of these, these teams come out of nowhere. I don't want another Appalachian state on my hands. You feel me? So I hope that doesn't happen. I doubt it'll happen. I think they'll stay on and, you know, put it to them like they did Western and SMU, but like I said, they're supposed to be doing that to these teams. They're supposed to be doing that to these teams. So like, until they reach the teams I need them to reach, until I see their performance against those teams, you know, 
I, I think I'll be a little more excited because I'll have something, you know, you know, better to look forward to, I guess. But I'm not looking. I don't think I don't think this is too much of a challenge for them unless Nebraska's pissed off from these last two games and Scott Frost is pissed off from these last two games and you know anything can happen you know so when when you slaughter the teams you're supposed to slaughter like Michigan does during those games it gets a lot of people off of your khaki covered ass dude like it does it does you know not me not me brother right, not me I know but those Saturdays, you know, everybody comes out to the big house and the blue end zones and everything, and game's over by the first quarter, game's done by halftime. You're seeing all the five-star recruits you want to see early on. You know, that's fun for people. People want to see that. People don't want to see you needing a, a last-minute touchdown to beat Utah State. <laughs> you, you dig? Right. You know, that's that's what I wish Michigan State would do sometimes. Like, it's no question in my mind they can blow out teams of that caliber the way Michigan does, the way Ohio State does. Like, they just don't for whatever reason. They never have, you know, aside from the right. 2014 team whose offense was so good that the only team that could stop them was themselves. Like, they had no choice but to score on every possession against teams like Eastern, Wyoming, and Michigan, and, you know, that that year's version of Michigan. Like, that's just what I want to see. I like, you know, I got tickets to see Michigan State and Central in two weeks. Central's been getting blown out by Kansas, the worst program in all of football, and they've been to everybody. But I'm worried that I'm going to go see them take on Central Michigan in East Lansing, and I'm going to be biting my nails fourth quarter as we pull out, you know, a a 35-28 victory. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I feel you, brother. I want to see I want to see Michigan State destroy somebody like 52 to zip, you know, 49 to 3. I, I, that's all I want. Like one of these weeks. Like it doesn't have to be every week obviously because you get spoiled at that point and it's just impossible unless you have the most cupcake schedule. You know, I just want to I want to go to a game, see them pummel somebody from start to finish and I just want to relax, have a good time in, in my favorite stadium. That's what that's what that's what I want. Not too much to ask, huh? Right. Every now and then. It would be nice. <laughs> I've been to too many games where I'm biting my nails in the fourth quarter. Right, right. Um, but yeah, transitioning to uh a coach a lot of people had some faith in early on that might be shaken. Um he's got a good beard for radio, but other than that, um two weeks in, not much is working for Matt Patricia and his Lions. What do you think about them? Um bro. The Jets game was the worst game I've ever watched in my life. Dude, and I've been watching the Lions since I was like five years old, dude. I said this, you know, in my talk and shoot segment. I said what they have to do, what they have to do is the line needs to show up, get Stafford time, right? The defense does not need to let Sam Darnold get comfy. If he gets comfy and and makes him look like, you know, uh, Case Keenum did a few years ago when they made Case Keenum look like freaking Joe Montana, you know what I'm saying? They're going to lose. And what happened? They let Darnold get comfy, and they lost. They lost to a rookie quarterback, dude. I'm pissed off about that, dude. Like, are you serious? Well, week one. Yes. Sam Darnold is the same age as me, making yes. a start, tearing up the Lions. Like, I, you know, Dolphins are my team, and they did to the Jets what the Lions should have done. Um, but, you know, I've grown up in Michigan. You know, I do cheer for the Lions to win, just not so adamantly because I know more often than not they're going to lose. I went into Monday night thinking they're going to come out, put on a show for everybody. And it's going to be one of the only games they win all year. Maybe they'll win five or six games. But to come out, like, Sam Darnold gift-wrapped you a touchdown in the first play of the game from scrimmage. Like, no. the place was exploding. You know, it was, it was supposed to be a good time. It was supposed to be fun. Um, like, I just – I don't even know what happened, you know. Um, but it, it looks like Matt Stafford has taken two steps back. And 
I think, like, I really question why they kept Jim Bob Cooter around. I know he's got the rapport with Stafford, and he's comfortable with him, and they had a good season, uh, you know, at the end of 2015 and 2016, blah, 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 blah. People have figured out Jim Bob Cooter. He's boring. He's vanilla. And he's not part of the system, man. Like, what's the point of cleaning house if you're going to keep one dude from the old house? What's Like, you're not going to reboot a system 90% and be like, you know what, 10%, you're good with my quarterback. I'll keep you around. What is that? Right, the most, imp- right, the most important position. Yeah. So, man. Plus, like I- – I don't even know if they're going to be 500 this year, Joe. I don't, I have I, I I have no faith in them. I, Patricia's on contract till 2022, so we're stuck with him for the next four years. Um, I, I hope that it turns around. It has to turn around. You know, we as Detroiters like have like oh well, you know they're rock bottom. Right? I ain't no I know where to go but up unless you stay at the bottom. You know, and we know there's a, we know the only way is, is up, but you know, we haven't been able to, you know, get a rope and climb our fucking ways up. We've been still sitting here wandering at the bottom of the well, you know? So I'm fed up. I've been fed up. And like, I hate when, especially when there's like newer, you know, younger Lions fans that haven't been Lions fans forever. They're like, man, you just gotta, you know, can't think that way about the Lions, bro. You just gotta have faith in them, man. You, you know, why you always, I'm like, bro, I love the Lions. I want the Lions to win, but you don't understand, son. Come yeah. at me in fucking 10 years, dude. You know, and then, and then you see these guys five, 10 years later, they're like, fucking Lions, fucking Lions. I'm like, dude, welcome to the club. You understand this. So I, I they need to they need to do something. They need to make drastic changes on defense and offense, especially their offensive line, especially their running back core. I like their wide receivers. I think if you give Stafford enough time, you know, back there, he he, he can get you he can get you somewhere, he can get you going. But our our running backs stink. Our offensive line stinks. Our rushing stinks. Our cornerbacks, they stink. I don't care what anybody says. Our secondary has been horrid ever since I was young. They've always had a horrid secondary, and they've had good, good to mediocre offensive line and linebackers. But their secondary has always been horrid. And I don't care what you say about big play Slay; he's not that good. And that's just my take on the Lions. <laughs> they they need to make a drastic change, dude. Or this is they get to play fifty fifty ball for the next four years. Here's my here's my view on the Lions. As long as Aaron Rodgers is a sheriff in town, Green Bay is going to be top dog. Minnesota, Minnesota got better from a team that went to the NFC Championship game. They went out. They got Kirk Cousins, who is earning his damn contract. I like that. Throwing for 425 yards, four touchdowns at Lambeau against the Packers. I like that, man. I like that. The Bears got better. They have a young quarterback. They drafted, they've been drafting super well. And then they do the, the big ballsy move and they trade for Khalil freaking Mack, dude. Like, why can't the Lions ever make a move like that? I'm not saying, like, you know, trade away the farm, but go out and get a player like Khalil Mack. That's a game changer. That's a game changer, dude. LeGarrette, like, signing these players like LeGarrette Blunt, that does nothing for me. LeGarrette Blunt's a fat whore who can't run the ball, man. <laughs> Get him out of town. You think it's any coincidence that once LeGarrette Blunt got suspended for being a dumbass and hit and going up and shoving somebody after the play, all of a sudden the offense clicked? Like, that's no coincidence to me. Get him out of town. Get him out of town, man. Yeah, man. I think we both sediment are, <laughs> you know – Thoughts on how bad the Lions think? I, I, I'm, I'm over it, dude. They're not making big moves. They're not drafting well. Look at Bob Quinn's drafts. Who is he drafted? That's a difference maker. And he's had opportunity after opportunity. Drafted Tease Tabor in the second round, uh, two years ago when they desperately needed a running back. When Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara and other and James Conner were all on the board. And you all on the board. Tease, yeah, you go with Tease Tabor who hasn't started a game who's been inactive for most of his short career and um desmond king the cornerback from iowa who grew up in detroit was available you didn't draft him you let him slip to san diego like if you're gonna draft a corner that's cool 
draft a good one. Draft one that can contribute right away, like King can. Um, look at this pass draft. Like, I think Ragnar will be pretty good. After that, I maybe carry on Johnson. And the young stars that you do have, Kenny Galladay, carry on Johnson, I think they're legit. They're not using them at all. You go to the players and it works. It's working for you the little bit that you use it. So what the hell? Like the season's basically over. You're going to be 0-6 before you before you can, um, I don't know, take the pencil out from behind your ear, Patricia. Like right. why not just go to your rookies more or your young players? I know Galladay's second year. You got the Patriots coming to town off a loss, an embarrassing loss to Jacksonville. That's like – facing Ohio State after they lose to 30 in Iowa on some random Saturday in November. Like, you'd be preferably facing the Patriots 2-0 if you have to face them, which you do. Not coming off a loss where Blake freaking Bortles tore them apart. It's not going to be pretty Sunday night. I don't care how stupid I sound. I don't, like, even if they do put up a fight, doesn't matter because you're going to be 0-3. With two of those losses being at home in prime time on national television, and right. it's not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. Yep, it's not gonna be good at all, man. But you know, that's the lines for you, SOL, man. And all you youngins, when you hear this, get deal with it, man. And it's, I hope it happens before I die. I pray that it happens before I die. Um, but they need to do some drastic changes, man, and right. make big moves. Man. Make big moves. Speaking yeah. of a big move, what I hope is that the Illiches go and get my man, Stevie Y, and bring him on up here. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Joe? Interesting little take. You know, Red Wings, first preseason game is tonight. Go Wings. Um, that would be a welcome breath of fresh air because he went down to Tampa and they became a very solid uh, franchise, I suppose, for the last eight, nine years. Um, you know, if you can build a hockey powerhouse in Florida, then, you know. <laughs> but when I saw the news that that was happening and he was moving back to Detroit, hasn't uh, confirmed anything. But there have been some rumors that he's coming home to uh, what is now the Little Caesars Arena. And I think the timing matches up perfectly because he got a what, a year left on Holland's contract? Yes. Make it happen, dude. Like, Illich, I, I don't know which Illich we're on right now. Um, Marion, Ron Marion, his son Marion Illich. Okay. Make it happen, bro. Like, bring him home. Let him, like, what do we got to lose at this point? Um, You know, Zetterberg's done. That's one of my favorite players ever. I'll always be appreciative of the years that Henrik Zetterberg gave to the Red Wings, not just when they were good, but he played in 82 games the last two years and he can barely walk right now. He's got a bad, he's got as bad a back as you can have at his age. He gave everything to the Red Wings. And I'm so appreciative of Henrik Zetterberg for that. It breaks my heart that he's retiring. I don't know if we're even going to have a captain this year. Um, from what I've heard. But, you know, it would be great if we could send Zetterberg out. You know, he's gone. But bring in the the guy who was a captain for almost 20 years here and have him kind of like kind of like a Jim Harbaugh coming home, you know, bring him back home. Right. Yeah, but hopefully it's a better uh, f- first two-year stretch than Jim Harbaugh. But, yeah, you know, he goes on to Tampa Bay, gets GM of the year. You know, they make a finals finals appearance. They, they end up losing. But, you know, he you're right. He made them uh, – you know, a powerhouse. He made them, you know, credible. <laughs> he made them good. Now, you know, and I would like to see them do that here because I'm really sick of Ken Holland talking about rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding. And you know, and, well, and I don't think it's talking about just make the playoffs, just make the playoffs, just make the playoffs. Oh, you got to keep the streak alive. We got to get it as long as possible. Right. Man, fuck the streak. Like it was cool right. for like a little bit. But you didn't win a playoff series for the la- in five years. You lost in the first round three straight years. So what's the point of getting to the playoffs, man? If you're going to get whacked in five games by Boston and whacked in six games by Tampa. That's boring. Right. I don't need that. Right. And then, and then he flips around and says, oh, yeah, we're going to be in the rebuilding process. Takes about 10, 
10 years, seven to 10 years for rebuilding process. Like, well, are you smoking crack, Kenny? Yeah, fuck that. A, you know, like, so I, right? I, it's going to be three, four, five years tops. We should be already two years into it, but we're not. We're entering exactly. phase one. We should be in a phase two going on phase three right now, but we're not. Right. But we're not. So that's why I hope I don't think it's coincidence that this is Kenny Hans last year and uh you know Stevie Wise come back home. I think Stevie Wise takes that GM chair and I hope and I think he turns everything around, you know, and it's it would be really good to see him come in, like you said, you know, uh with the dark cloud hanging over the whole Zetterberg and his back injury and you know, dude got drafted in ninety nine, two hundred and tenth overall, you know, six years as a captain. 2008 Stanley Cup, won a Com Smythe that year as well. All 19 seasons with the Red Wings. That's hard. That's 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 rough to see nowadays, man. You know these these holes ain't loyal nowadays, man. Everyone just jumps around and you know they want the quick buck. They want the quick championship. You know um, he stuck around. You're right. You know, and I, I watched the interview with gone where you're getting Pavel Datsyuk and uh, Henrik Zetterberg. You know, dead late in the draft when you know. Most of the people you draft at that point aren't aren't gonna see the ice for six six years, you know. Right, right, exactly. And then you know, I watched an uh, interview with Cromwell. I talked about him being the backbone of the team. So, you know, it's a, it's a really big blow for these guys. They're losing their cap. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they gotta find you know new faces to look like, um, to look at. You know, up to Cromwell's talking about it's kind of gonna be captain by committee you know, until they really, you know, get on their feet. You know, it's a it's a really big blow, Zetterberg not being there. But, you know, as a Red Wings fan, selfishly, would you love to see Zetterberg there? Yes, you would, you know, be in the cap to see on his uh, sleeve. Yeah, you want to. But, you know, as a human being, seeing that this dude has a bad back, you know, his life, he wants to live his life, his family, you know, I'm all for him choosing, you know, retirement to better himself you know but it's a it's a big blow it's you know it's sad you know dylan larkin talked about how he looked up to him his whole life you know so right you know to play to play with your to play with your idol and then to see him go it's you know it's kind of bittersweet so yeah you know i was 12 years and two months old when uh he hoisted the stanley cup and won the consmite trophy and was just an absolute warrior in 2008 and in 2009 the next year too um, but talking about the captaincy, you know, it, I think they're not going to go with the definitive captain this year. I think Cronwall's out the door as well. You know, if, if not this year, then next year, um, we'll probably see Cronwall go, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't Dylan Larkin. Um, not by default because he's a very good player and he's young and he's from Michigan, but almost by default. Cause who else are you going to go with? I don't think. Abdel Cater's really the captain type. Um, DeKaiser is kind of a one-trick pony. He's a very good one-trick pony, but he's a one-trick pony. Um, you know, I think Larkin has the skills. He's got the – he's got, you know, the history here. He's young. If he is made a captain and he grows into the role, it could have a big-time payoff and he could be the captain for a decade plus, you know. Right. Um. Yeah, you know, that's, that's how Michigan sports looks right now. It's a little disappointing. <laughs> Hopefully the future is bright, but we just don't know. We just don't right. know. You know, Bill Belichick, his first year in New England, won, I think, six games. You know. Um, so Fingers maybe crossed. We, right. Maybe we just got to give Patricia and his beard and his pencil and his ear a little bit more than two games, but I think this season's a wash already. I don't see who you're beating. I don't see – you know, maybe maybe uh the Bills who have pl- players retiring at halftime, or maybe uh, <laughs> I don't know, because I don't think you're beating Minnesota. I think at best the Lions are splitting with Chicago, as in like you know probably winning at Ford Field, losing at Soldier Field. Um, he can't run the ball. As uh, Stafford, I think he needs to earn his contract more than he has through, like since he signed the contract, I've been disappointed with him, dude. You know, like. Like I said, I think Kirk Cousins is earning his contract. Aaron Rodgers is worth every single penny that he makes. I want to see Stafford earn it. I want to see him be the more definitive leader. You remember 2016, the first game, and he's, like, getting pissed off at people for not running the right routes or going out of bounds? 
where's that dude gone? He's right. he's Mellow Matt right now. We don't need Mellow Matt. We need we need that pissed off guy who's gonna hold his teammates accountable and isn't gonna be Mellow Matt and um you know just giving us for answers at press conferences and just going with the uh the cliches every week at every question. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, man. What happened to Detroit sports? Well, that's our Detroit sports segment, man. It seems <laughs> like it seems like everybody is, you know, stepping down. You know, um, even in the you know the DC universe world, you know, our our su- su- Superman Henry Cavill is stepping down from, you know, playing. Uh, Superman, after just three movies, you're supposed to even have a cameo in Shazam, but I think they're just, you know, <laughs> cutting that whole cameo out. So, you know, everybody's just, you know, stepping away and, you know, trying new things. So what's your take on, you know, Henry Cavill and them having to cast another Superman? And what does this mean for the Justice League? That's what I was wondering. What does this mean for the Justice League and the DC universe going forward? Excuse me. Um you know, I hadn't really been paying attention to DC as much because, you know, you got to give me something to pay attention to, something that's worth my attention. But apparently the writing was on the wall that Henry uh, Cavill or whatever his name is, was unhappy there. And like, it seemed like inside the walls of the DC universe, it was just a matter of time before he was hanging up the cape and the boots and the Clark Kent glasses or whatever. Um yeah, I wonder what this does. I wonder where they go from here. Um, like, what do you what do you do? Do you just try to pick up right where you left off? Because this isn't this isn't uh, Rhodey from Iron Man being recast. This is Iron Man himself. This is Superman being right. recast. And you know, I've heard stuff about Ben Affleck thinking about hanging it up as well as Batman. So what what are we gonna do from here? It seems like you got a solid Wonder Woman. Solid Aquaman. Um, I don't. I don't like Jared Leto as the Joker, but you have the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie coming out. Um, I just think where do you? You already got all these moving pieces, but now your two main actors and characters are possibly pulling out on you. I think it's a question without an answer. Like, where do you go? I think where they should go to is they need to expand on the DC universe. They don't, they, they're trying to copy Marvel. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to do like these, oh, let's do these standalone Aquaman, standalone, you know, Superman, Batman, and then we'll have a Justice League movie. It's like, that sounds just like freaking uh, uh, Avengers. You know, they have all these standalone, and then they have all the Avengers together. It's just like, pull away right. from that, do something different. That's why. I feel like when that Flashpoint movie comes out in 2020, I think it's going to make people's heads turn because it needs to go a different route. You don't need to connect all your DC movies together. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I love I love the fact that they're having a standalone Joker movie. I think they need to start doing more stuff like that and not just worry about, you know, the man with his S on his chest because, you know, you know, he, he, he's basically at this day and age, uh, you know, the epitome of like a white guy and everyone's just like, we've seen that already. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be, you know, pull no race card or nothing, but it's like, we enough with Superman, you know what I'm saying? Enough with Shazam, the, the dude with the slick hair and the curl, you know what I'm saying? Do more stuff like like the Joker movie, origin movie. Do more stuff like the Flashpoint movie, you know what I'm saying? Think outside of the box. Don't just be like, oh, we're going to do these standalone movies and just make one big movie. And they're all going to connect just like how Marvel's doing because Marvel's so successful. No, find another formula. You know, Marvel already has that formula down pat. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like DC just needs to step back and just not go that route and just do movies. I feel like the Joker origin movie, do movies like that flash. There's so many good DC characters. You know what I'm saying? You can make a good teen Titans, a Titans movie. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited to watch the, um, to, to watch the, uh, the show on the, the new uh, DC streaming thing. So I think, I think that stuff's going to keep DC more relevant The str- the new streaming, uh, this new stream service that they have, you know, movies like the Joker, movies like the Flashpoint. That's what the route they need to go and not follow Marvel's formula. It's weird because you got the best comic book characters in the game for the most part. And their animated movies are very, very good. 
at least the Batman uh, cartoon movies that are still coming out today. They're very good. I love those movies. Um, my friend Farbar, shout out to Farbar again. Check out Farbar.com. Um, he's like a Batman fanatic from the comics to uh, the movies. Like on Labor Day weekend, you know, we had a cookout and we just watched five straight animated Batman movies, three of which I hadn't seen before. And they were fantastic, dude. Like, I don't know where DC's pulling these guys like Zack Snyder out of the air when you got these solid movies being made right under your nose. Like, I know it's, I know it's different going from the, the drawn character to the real-life action movies, but there's got to be some kind of, like, transition between those two, you know? There's got to be some sort of coalition because it doesn't make sense to me that, aside from Wonder Woman and the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, you know, you haven't made a lot of good movies, but the animated movies are fantastic. A plus movies. I loved them. Did you, you happen to watch did you happen to watch the Ninja Batman one? Oh, uh, we did not get to that one. Oh, we watched like Under the Red Hood, Mask of the Phantasm, uh Batman and Harley Quinn. Um Did you watch one- Killing Joke? No, we didn't watch Killing Joke. We didn't oh, watch Killing Joke. Have to watch a Killing that, Joke. That's the thing though, it's like you named two well-renowned movies that we didn't get to because we were busy watching these five other great movies, you know? Right, right. Um, so my question is, is, like, what are the people who work on the cartoon movies doing that can't be replicated in the on the big screen, I guess, you know? Right. No, most definitely. I'm with you. But, yeah, I think I think they just need to see what they have. I feel, I feel like they have gems, dude. They don't need to always just hang their hat on Batman and Superman, you know what I'm saying, in the Justice League. There's so much more to it. We all know that fucking Green Lantern took a shit. I never liked Green Lantern anyway. You you know what I'm saying? Wipe it aside and keep on going. You know what I'm saying? I feel like they have such gems. Stop hanging your hat on your man, dudes, who's been doing it for you for 56 years. Times have changed. Change your change your way up. That's why Marvel's doing so much so much better. Uh, you know, better because you know they have you know Miles Morales is gonna be this new Hispanic uh, black superhero. You know, uh, Spider Man who gets you know who gets like mentored by uh, uh, Peter Parker. So I mean, they're thinking outside of the box, man. They're bringing other other than white faces, you know, to their comic books. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a great thing what Marvel's doing. DC needs to do something similar, but not follow their formula. They have gems that that they can go off of, man. And, you know, they have the best villain to ever be created. So I think they'll be good without Henry Cavill being su- Superman. If they if they pull away from the whole Superman movies for the next five, ten years, and then recast them, no one's going to friggin' know the difference. It, it's happened before, you know? Um, You know, Marvel has synergy. Like, you know, not not just to make it about race, but, you know, like they got Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man. I feel like those three alone, like once those movies came out and people recognized them, like people started to get more into those comic books, too. I feel exactly. like the general public was not aware of Guardians of the Galaxy characters and the Black Panther and Ant-Man, what have you, you know, like. When I first heard of like Ant Man movie coming out, I was like, "What in the hell, Ant Man?" They're like, "It's gonna have Paul Rudd." I'm like, "Okay, I'll go see it." Um, but then, like, it's a great movie, and like, there's comic books to be read up on that. Like, there's synergy there. You can do that with DC too, because DC has some of the best comic book characters out there, and we all know the Superman story. You know, how many shots at a good Superman movie are we gonna get before we just admit it might never happen? Right. We all know the Batman story. It's been told in many different ways. You know, let's let's move forward with other characters. I like that Wonder Woman is getting a sequel again. Um, hoping we can expand on that. And yeah, another thing Marvel's doing, we'll talk about it on our next show, is uh, Captain Marvel. It was a trailer released, I think, yesterday. Oh, it looks you know? awesome. Yeah, that's another character that they're introducing very late in the game that's going to like change everything. That, again a lot of people probably didn't know about. Yeah, and you see a, and you see a young uh, 
um, Nick Fury without the uh, eye scar. I believe you find out how he gets the eye scar in that one. I mean, like, yeah, they, 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 they do it right. They do it well, you know what I'm saying? But I don't feel like DC necessarily needs to do that to be successful as well. But I think they can move on from Henry Cavill. And, you know, that's just sway the cookie crumbles, I guess. I guess he wants to do other stuff besides be the man of steel, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, he's a good-looking dude. He's an actor. Like, he's, he'll, have his, he'll have his shots. Before we wrap up this episode, um, I want to give a shout-out to Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's my dude. Like, he's got a good beard for radio. Um, Absolutely. But he's stepping up where Jameis Winston is not available. And I think when Jameis Winston comes back, it does. it's not going to make a difference. still going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick taking the snaps under center. Hey, man, we're going to find out. Jameis Winston is clear, I think, after week three, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right? I shouldn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen, I haven't seen um, O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson and the Tampa Bay receivers put up those kind of numbers with Jameis Winston. The nope. dude is inconsistent at best. Yes, um, I, I'm totally agreeing with you. I think he's beyond the bust, but right. – Obviously, I don't think I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the long term solution. I think you got to look elsewhere. But he's coming and he's energized this team and he's fun and he's taking Deshaun Jackson's shades and chains and going out into into his press conference, you know, dressed up like Conor McGregor, like a like a G man. Like, you know, if I was on that team, I think it'd be easy. Go with the beard. Go with Fitz Magic. You know, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm 100. percent Man. Especially when the uh, when your other uh, option is the uh, the guy licking his fingers and saying, "Let's eat a W." Before <laughs> getting attacked by the Saints. This is true, Joe. Well, I think we've covered it all, man. U of M to state, the Lions, Maddie Patty. Uh, we talked a little bit about Superman stepping down. Maybe Eiserman stepping up. Farewell to Zetterberg. He's been our he's been our captain for the past six years, but he's been our, in our hearts since '99. So, best of luck to that man. Hope he lives a healthy life, him and his family. Amen. Yeah, I think that's all we got to get to. We got a lot of beard talk in here, and a lot of a lot of the bleak presence of uh, Detroit and Michigan sports at the moment. But hopefully, brighter days ahead, as always. As always, I'm Sasha, uh, and I'm Joe. This is Beards for Radio. Later.